Welcome to worship. I'm Sheila and I'll be your host for this online worship experience. We're so glad you're here today. If this is your first time joining us, we wanna give you a very special welcome. If you'll check in with us and give us your email address, we'll send you a Starbucks gift card this week to let you know how much we appreciate you joining us. This is week six, the final week of our sermon series, Follow Me. Pastor Jason has a great message for us just ahead. Speaking of the sermon, we have discussion questions and more you'll find online at schweitzer.church next. And now, here's Corey with our announcements. Hello, welcome to Schweitzer Church. We are so glad you're here. I'm Corey Lucivo, Director of Connections. June is fast approaching, and in less than two weeks, we're excited to host Todd Wright as our guest speaker from the Springfield Cardinals office for second season on Thursday, June 1st. Then on Friday night, June 9th, it's Schweitzer's Night at the Ballpark. We hope you'll bring your family and friends to watch the Springfield Cardinals play the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. The men's ensemble will sing, it's fireworks night, and we have group seating. Purchase a ticket or sign up for either event today at the Blue Booth or at schweitzer.church. The deadline to sign up for our upcoming camping and canoeing weekend is fast approaching. If you're interested in camping with us, or even if you just want to come canoe on Saturday, June 17th, let us know by signing up online at schweitzer.church outdoors. If you've been looking for a way to connect as part of a Sunday morning class before the 1030 service, we would love to have you be a part of a class called The Way, which is starting a new study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Stop by the Blue Booth or find me later today. I'd love to help you get connected with a class or a group. You can also find more information about this or other classes at schweitzer.church groups. Whether you're new to Schweitzer or if you've been attending for a while and want to learn more about the church, a great next step is to join me at the Next Steps Lunch, happening today right after the 1030 service in the Fellowship Center. We'll have a free lunch and we can answer any questions you might have. One more thing. Next Sunday is Memorial Day weekend and we won't have any classes for Schweitzer kids. Instead, we encourage you to bring your kids to service and worship as a family. Once again, we are so glad you're here. Now, let's continue in worship. Thanks, Corey, for those great announcements. We invite you to join us for any or all of these great things that are happening at Schweitzer Church. You can find out more online at schweitzer.church next. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to join in the chat. Say hello to your friends or give us your insights. And if you find yourself in need of prayer, we have someone waiting for you in the prayer room. Just press that button and we'll be right with you. And now, let's continue in worship. Been held in your hands from the moment. 
And now we come to a time of prayer where we can go to God and share our joys and our concerns and our sorrows, and we can lay all those at His feet. Join with me as we pray together. Holy God, we praise You for who You are. We thank You for allowing us just to come to You and to talk to You like a dear friend and a dear father. God, we uh, know that there are so many things that are laying heavy on the hearts of people right now. And so God, we ask for your divine healing. We ask you to be with each one of us as we deal with sorrow and loss and illness and loneliness. But God, we know you're with us every step of the way and we thank you for that. We thank you for joys that come in each day and help us to see those things. We thank you for milestones in our lives and we especially ask your blessings upon graduates right now as they celebrate this passing of, of education and, and launching into new chapters in their lives. We pray that you'll be with each one of them and give them a purpose in life. God, we pray for all of us to find our purpose in life, to glorify you, to share the good news, to pursue healing by caring for others. We thank you for the blessings that you have given to us and the gifts you've given to us to allow us to do that. And now God, we pray together the prayer that your son gave us saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. As we come to this time of offering, I want to tell you about one of the great ministries happening here at Schweitzer. Your gifts allow so many good things to happen, and this is a ministry you may not even know about. Our home visitor ministry reaches out to so many people, and we have Amy Smith here today to tell you more about it. Hi, my name is Amy Smith, and I'm a member here at Schweitzer involved with the Home Visiting Ministry. And it's very, very special. For, for whatever reason, people are not able to make it to the sanctuary on a regular basis. We go to them in their home. Um, I definitely, you know, go in and these, you know, these individuals are so excited to have some company. It sounds very trivial, but it, it is absolutely not. One of the things I love the most about home visiting is the opportunity to bring the fellowship of Schweitzer to the individual that I'm visiting. Um, you know, to walk in and have someone who's eager for company and wants to engage in worshiping God in their home with you. Um, it's amazing if you just sit and listen how as the hour unfolds they'll start talking about what's on their heart and then you find yourself 
offering to pray with them, or maybe they'll ask for prayer, and really just try to give the individual a sense of belonging, just like we have when we're here in the sanctuary or when we're in a small group. To take that into someone's home has really been a blessing for me in my spiritual journey and um, helped me feel like, um, you know, I too am being blessed along the way. The other thing, you know, that comes to mind when I think about home visiting for sure is not only being able to help members of Schweitzer, but also when I think about my family, my parents as they age, and I think about when they're on their own or can't make it to church for one reason or another, how much it comforts me to think about someone from their church coming to them, that's a huge relief for me. Um, to know that they're cared about enough, that someone's coming to watch out for them and they haven't been forgotten about. So it is definitely a ministry that I hope to stay involved with um, for many years to come and it has blessed me um, and I encourage you to get involved. Thanks Amy for sharing about this wonderful and important ministry. You know, it's because of your gifts that things like this can happen. We want to remind you that you can give weekly online at schweitzer.church give. Thank you so much for your generosity and for caring about others. And now here's Pastor Jason with week six of our sermon series, Follow Me. Hello friends, welcome, I'm Jason. So glad you've joined us. This is week number six of a sermon series we've called Come Follow Me, where we're listening to Jesus as he connects with us, reaches out, calls out to us to come and be somebody who follows after him. When Jesus shows up on the shore of Galilee, he calls the disciples. He says, come and follow me. As we follow Jesus throughout his time of ministry, he calls other people to come follow him. He calls people in the New Testament. And he continues with an invitation that greets each and every one of us at some point along the way in our life to come follow after him. One of the questions that we're asking is, as we hear that big question from Jesus is this, how are we supposed to do it? How are we supposed to live out this following after Christ in this place, in this time where we live? Um, here at Schweitzer, we've understood Jesus' call to lead us into some certain practices and a couple big things we think Jesus is wanting us to do is, number one, be centered on Him. Pay attention to Him. Read what He has to say. Hear what He has to say to us. The other thing, we think Jesus cares about our community, and so He wants us to be people who invest in that. So those are two big umbrellas that we, that we look to, being Christ-centered and community-focused. And then under each of those umbrellas, we've got a couple other bullet points, some things that nest underneath that. In terms of being Christ-centered, we talk about how we think Jesus wants us to be people who worship together, to care for one another, and to be engaged in spiritual formation. And under the umbrella of being community-focused, we think Jesus invites us to be engaged in evangelism, and that He wants us to serve our community, and that He wants us to pursue healing. 
So these are ways that we see and hear Jesus' invitation to come follow after him for ourselves. And these may be the same as other churches who are around us. They may be the same as other people who are following after Christ, or they may be a little different. But the reality is, is that each and every one of us have to live out in a unique way that call of Christ to come be followers of him. So today we're going to look at that last, that last bullet point. How do we pursue healing? What does that look like? Well, if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke 4, 18 and 19, where we're going to hear Jesus say these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, as we pick that text up, the person who's reading that text is Jesus himself. He's reading it in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. He's reading words that have been written by the prophet Isaiah. You'll go back in Isaiah 61 and you'll find these words written out there. As Isaiah writes those words down, he's writing to a group of people who are watching events in their own world, in their own time, um, make it look like the promises of God are slipping away. They look like um, <clears throat> to be failing. And yet Isaiah hears a promise from God and God says this to Isaiah, I'm going to send a servant and the servant that I send is going to bring restoration and healing and freedom to the land of Israel, to my people. I am a God who stays, who keeps covenant with my people and I will do it. In fact, it almost appeals back to an earlier promise from Leviticus 25 where where Moses heard from the, the Lord saying, I want to send a year of jubilee when <clears throat> Isaiah, the, the things you guys see right now are difficult, but I'm telling you, I'm making a promise that I'm going to send a servant. And that servant is going to bring in the, the year of jubilee when freedom and oppression, when oppression will cease, when freedom will be there, when people will be healed, when people will be restored in all kinds of ways. And so Jesus reads that. He reads that promise from Isaiah and his readers. They're saying, we're with you. We're waiting with you. This is a, a promise that we believe in. We're with you. But then Jesus goes on, Luke tells us, and he says something else. He says this, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And they're like, what? What do you mean this is fulfilled in your hearing? Jesus says, the day for waiting for this is, has come to an end. The work that Isaiah promised, the suffering servant is here. Jesus will say, I have been anointed. I've been empowered and filled by the Holy Spirit to bring good news to the poor, to free the captives, to bring healing for the blind. This isn't something that we have to wait for, friends. This is something that's going to be lived out now. And as we look throughout the Gospels, the, the message of Jesus is this, that as Jesus said, this is my mission. He began to live into it. All throughout the Gospels, we can see Jesus doing acts of healing, um, carrying this vision out. In Luke 10, he delivered a young boy who was gripped, not by something internally, but he was, he was gripped by something externally. There was an exorcism. In fact, Jesus has a number of times where he delivers people from something that's oppressing them, not inside of themselves, but external to them. 
In Luke 5, we hear about a person who's paralyzed and he's brought to Jesus and Jesus raises him up. It's not the only time. There's a number of times Jesus heals people who are physically sick. And then, in a number of different times, Jesus, uh, in a way of pointing to his own resurrection, raises up people who have already died. In Luke 7, Luke tells us about a Roman soldier's daughter who has died and Jesus raises her up pointing to his own resurrection and also to a resurrection that we get to be a part of in the great resurrection at the end of time. So Jesus says this. He says, I've come, I've been anointed to bring healing. And then he lives into it. He lives into this mission and it's all around him. But it's not just his mission because it's a mission that he begins to share with others, with other disciples in Luke 9 Jesus gathers the 12 around him and he says, he says, I'm sending you out two by two. And he gives them a number of things. And then he says this, um, they, Luke says this, they began their circuit to the villages. They preached the good news the 12 did and they healed the sick. Just as they had seen Jesus heal the sick, they began to heal the sick. The power that was within Christ began to be shared with the 12. And then at another time in Luke 10, Luke tells us that Jesus gathered 72 other people who were, who were followers of him, around him. And he gave them this commission to heal the sick and tell the people that I'm sending you that the kingdom of heaven is near you now. So here's Jesus, reads from Isaiah, the kingdom of heaven, healing is here. He lives into it. It's a mission he gives to his disciples, and it's a mission he expected the church to carry out throughout all of time. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Mark 16, Mark 16, 15 in particular. And there, that was after Jesus' resurrection. He's with the 12. And these words are what we heard that time. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. If you go on and you continue reading down in verse 18, we hear this comment from Jesus. Those who do this, they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. See, Jesus gives this, this gift and this opportunity, this ministry to the church. It's something we're to live into. And his brother, who becomes one of the church leaders, also known as James, writes this in, in one of the later New Testament letters. He says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray for you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So here's what we know about healing. It's a work of Jesus. It's a work of Jesus that impacts us personally. And it it includes the people who are around us. It's a work that that takes place among people who have faith and people who don't seem to have faith or who have to rely upon the faith of others. They are touched by healing as well. Sometimes the healing that Jesus does is something where he heals a malady or sickness or disease within our bodies. But sometimes the work of Jesus heals our minds or our hearts or our souls or in fact, even the work of Jesus heals entire neighborhoods. Sometimes the work that Jesus does doesn't take place right at the moment, but at a distance. And 
Jesus invites the church to be about this business of healing, to, to enter into this space where we hope, we pray, we imagine that his healing power can be at work every place we go with the message of, of the gospel of Christ. So our task, the task that Jesus gives to the church, to his disciples, to those who are seeking to follow after him, is this, to pursue healing. To pursue it like the parable of the persistent widow, where this widow had a complaint and she went to a judge and she said, Judge, I'm seeking justice. And the judge said, I don't want to hear it. But the widow was persistent and Jesus simply says to us, I think he says to us, I'm confident he says to us as a church, when it comes to this issue of healing, this is what I desire for the world, for you, for others. Persist in pursuing it and see what happens. Well, how can we be people who pursue healing? What resources are available to us to be about the business of pursuing healing that Jesus seems to make available when he walked this earth and that he's made available over the course of time through people that have followed after him? Well, let me make some suggestions. And some of these suggestions come directly from what James had to say. Number one is that we can be a community committed to healing. We can be a community that together looks for the healing work of Christ, longs for it, desires it. The disciples and the elders. This was a work of the gospel that they committed themselves to. And so James, remember, he says, if you're sick, call the elders. Today, sometimes, especially in the church, we might think that's the elders. Those are the people who know how to pray. Those are the people who are up front, the leaders within the church. But in Jesus' day, the elders were people of wisdom. They were people who studied. They were people who knew something about the world. Today, <clears throat> when we pursue healing, if we're sick, if we're in trouble, if we need something, we need to be people who are open to availing ourselves of the wisdom of those who are around us, people who've studied and invest their time in, the well, in, in, in areas of wellness. We can think of doctors and nurses and nutritionists and people who are interested in exercise science and natro, uh, naturopathy and all kinds of things. But there are people who give themselves to asking themselves and, and others, how can we go about living in and being well? We need to be a community that's devoted to praying for and encouraging people to step into those, those areas of wisdom so that that gift can be, um, can be on display for us all and so that we can all step into it. And across time, the church has been a part of building centers of healing. Um, some of these centers are hospitals that, that bear the names of a saint or maybe they bear the name of a certain Christian tradition or denomination. But these centers of healing are all signs of God's work. And, and these signs of God's work and these centers, building these kinds of things, we can look around us and we can see that they exist at the moment. But there may become a time in the future, there may be a time in the future, when we have to take up the work again. Because right now in our own day, there are tools of science that are intended for healing, yet in some places in the world, these tools of science intended for healing can also be used for ill. And there are those who right now 
are seeking to diminish and destroy life. And so the church may have to come back to a place and we may have to become a community that is committed to healing, not just in terms of supporting certain people and pursuing the healing arts, but we may have to come back to a place where we say it's time to build again centers that care for and appreciate and respect the fullness of life from womb to the tomb. We may have to give ourselves into creating and recreating organizations and institutions that live into and can carry out this ministry so that there's a community that pursues healing. One of the other things that James lifts up, he encourages us, is the act of confession. Confession is something that we can oftentimes think of as a personal act or a personal thing that we enter into. But every time, every time I pick up a book related to the subject of healing, one of the surprising realities within the book is this. They'll all suggest that at a pretty profound level, many of the diseases, many of the things that we struggle with is because deep in our own souls, there is a dis-ease that afflicts us. The dis-ease that afflicts us in our own souls then comes out as some form of physical manifestation. But the disease in our own soul can be a, can be a result of maybe some harm that's been done to us. Maybe it's some harm that we've done against someone else. Maybe it's a spiritual struggle with God or a deep sorrow. But confession is a gift that's been given to us as a way to help us exercise the burden that we have in our own soul to express it. And with that, especially if we're in a community dedicated to healing, with that, we can begin to take steps of healing. Where's a good place for confession? Well, a small group is a good place for confession. A small group can be a group that gathers to study and pray around Scripture, or a small group can be a group of people like what we have at the Flourish Food Pantry that meets on, on site. I oftentimes go back and hang with the folks at the Flourish Food Pantry, and they tell jokes, and they laugh, and they have a good time, and they serve people who come in with some incredible needs. But deep down, one of the things I found about the folks who are serving at the, at the food pantry is that they have become a small group. They have become a group that encourages one another, prays for one another. In fact, hears one another's confession and they share wisdom in a profound way. This past week, I went to the pantry and there was a guy by the name of James who works with another pantry who comes in and shares some things with us. And he was going around and he was hugging, bear hugging just about everyone who was at the pantry. And one of those <clears throat> that he came up to and hugged, she leaned over to me and she, she recounted a time when she had enormous stress at her work because she had a relationship fissure with someone else at her work. And she said, I went to James and I said, how is it that you can overcome conflict? Because I've just got conflict and that conflict at work is just showing up as like I'm sick to my stomach. And James said, I do it like this. And he gave her a big bear hug. She said, I went to work and instead of entering into a conversation, I went up and I hugged this person that I'd been at odds with. And then I began to ask questions and just convey my sense of appreciation for all that had been done. And the world just, to, it seemed like the world was turned upside down. 
confession. This person confessed their question, and James, James laid out an answer. Now, I don't know about bear hugs. In fact, as I got a bear hug from James today, I thought, man, I've just been swallowed up. I don't know if I always need a bear hug. But there's something about saying to someone else, I'm struggling with this, and their wisdom that they share. Prayer. Prayer is another tool that we have. So we have a community. We need to be a community dedicated to pursuing healing. We've got confession. And prayer is the other thing that James says to do. Pray for one another. Now, this isn't a magic spell kind of prayer where you've got to have the right words or you've got to say it long enough or enough times. No, the kind of prayer that James is looking for is a prayer of dedication, a prayer where we put ourselves before the Lord, where we say, we understand, Lord, that you love us. You want to be at work in our life and we we come before you and we want to cast all of our cares upon you. Um, friends, we have a, a group of people here at Schweitzer who are dedicated to helping people pray in that kind of way. If you need healing in your life, you can call the church office, you can reach out, and the prayer team would be happy to pray with you and for you for this kind of healing to take place in your life. And um, I just want to say that this practice is present among us. We are pursuing healing. And we wait upon the Lord to do His good work in His own time when the season is right. And then there's one final thing that James doesn't appeal to, but is appealed to by other by other texts within the scriptures that I would like to put in front of you. On the one hand, it seems very simple. On the other hand, it seems pretty large and grandiose. The simple suggestion about pursuing healing is this, plant a garden. And planting a garden is actually living out a big theological word that is the eschatology of Jesus. That is where we look to the future like Jesus looks to the future of the fullness of God's healing work taking place and being lived out within our world. And not only our world, but the world that God cares for and is in active role of redeeming right now. You see, there are two significant texts that speak to a garden within the city, within the renewed city of what God wants to do. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel in the Old Testament, the prophet has a vision of the healing that's going to take place in Jerusalem and in all of Israel. And he sees a renewed temple and then a stream that comes from the temple and it reaches out and it waters a whole bunch of trees. And he says this about the trees, the leaves of the tree will never turn brown and fail. There will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month for they will be watered by the river flowing from the temple and the fruit will be food for be food, and the leaves will be for the healing of God's people. And then in Revelation, there's this picture that comes before us. <clears throat> and John writes there, The angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit. With a fresh crop each month, the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. 
Friends, one of the grandiest, the biggest pictures, both in the Old and New Testament, is that God is seeking to bring us into a place where heaven and earth meet, where God lives with his people and the people live with God and there is a healing that touches everything, not just us, not just our maladies, not just our hearts, our minds, not just our communities, but touches everything, touches everything in all creation. One of my favorite images in art is, is it comes from the 15th century from a cathedral in Ghent, Belgium. It's called the Bent, the, the Ghent altarpiece. And there at the center of the altarpiece is this image of that takes place within the early Renaissance period. It's painted with, with that in that time frame. And so it reflects that time frame, but it reflects this reality that Jesus and, and the Father and the Spirit have this picture of healing touching everything, all of creation, and including all the nations of the world, and bringing us to a place of profound healing and joy and restoration. It's a garden kind of picture. Recently, I was thinking about that garden, about that ultimate healing, when I went over into the East Stanford neighborhood garden that was started on the Schweitzer campus back in 2014. When we started it, we knew that a garden that has trees and fruit for the healing of the nations, that's the, the big picture, right? down the road and yet we knew that on our own campus it would be good to have a garden where people could grow healthy food where people and neighbors could interact with one another where people could create something good and beautiful where there could be trees who would point us in the direction of those healing trees now and in the future and recently when I was in that garden I came upon a man watering a couple of his plots and he said this to me. He said, whenever I'm sad, I come to the garden and when I leave, I go away happy. What's taking place in that garden? What's taking place when you plant a garden or you interact in a garden? You begin to see and engage with, not just one place, but you begin to see and interact with, if you will, the big picture that Jesus has out in front of us of a time when he will bring a healing to all the hurts that touch us. And an invitation in the moment when Jesus says, come follow me, pursue healing, see this vision that I, that, that is for yourself and for your community and for all creation. For in Christ, the healing has begun. The healing has begun. And sisters and brothers, what you and I need to do is we need to say, come Lord Jesus, come into the places of my life right now where I am not well. Come and bring your power your freedom, your grace, your liberation. Bring yourself. Bring your people, your prayers, your healing. Each and every one of us, sisters and brothers, has a place where we need the healing presence of Christ. When he says, come follow me, 
don't be afraid to say, Jesus, here's where I need your healing. Enter in and may he touch you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here with us today for worship. I want to thank the team that made this possible. And in particular, I want to thank Pastor Jason for his powerful message. If you know someone who would benefit from this message, we invite you to like it and share it on social media. Thank you so much for doing that. And now we invite you back next week for the first week of our new sermon series, David, A Man After God's Own Heart. We look forward to this, sharing it with you, and we hope you'll join us again. Have a great week. Were creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then north and south and east and west We'd hear Christ be magnified And were the whole earth echoing His eminence his name would burst from sea and sky From rivers to the mountaintops We'd hear Christ be magnified And oh, Christ be magnified Let His praise arise Christ be magnified in me and oh, Christ be magnified in the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. When every creature finds its inmost melody. Every human heart is made in Christ. In wonder, rapture, praise, we hear Christ be magnified. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let His praise arise. Christ be magnified. In me, and oh, 
stand strong and worship you if it puts me in the fire i'll rejoice because you're there too and i won't be formed by feelings i hold fast to what is true if the cross brings transformation then i'll be crucified with you because death is just the doorway into resurrection life if I join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, oh, my heart will still be singing and my song will be the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm.